Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Tribe Supper. We are back. We know it's been a little while since we recorded an episode various reasons covid amongst one of them and we're just a bit lazy but we are back and we hope to be back weekly that is the the aim and we do apologize for the little blip in output but do keep following do resubscribe if you did unsubscribe in anger and um, we hope you've all missed us and we'd like to say we will hopefully be doing an episode every single week covering middlesbrough it's been a busy few months since our last our last episode craig We've had, um, I think the last episode, Chris Wilder had just taken over and what an impact he has had. I mean, the run of form they're on is unbelievable. Just describe to us, to our listeners, A, what it's been like to work with Chris Wilder and and B, the impact he's had on the club. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, the impact he's had, it's been a a complete transformation, hasn't it? I mean, from, from him first joining the club, 14th in the table, you know, very inconsistent form, um, the season just looked to be going nowhere, really, uh, to, to put it bluntly. And then, you know, Chris Wilder's come in, the standards have absolutely shot up. Shot up. The style of play that Middlesbrough play now is is so attractive. It's so good to watch. You know, they, they assert themselves in game, they dominate possession, uh, the play, you know, the ball across the ground, playing out from the back. Um, and 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 they so they look so much better and so much more comfortable defensively because of that as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible transformation from the team. Um, one thing that we are getting now, and, and that is because of Chris Wilder. That's something Chris Wilder wanted. We're getting uh, a player every week. Uh, kind of player speaks most Thursdays now. Um, and, and Chris Wilder's brought that change. He came in and said that, you know, support, ultimately speaking to the press, is speaking to supporters. Um, and, and he wanted the supporters to hear the voice of players. Um, and, and that's why we're getting those players once a week now. And, and of the players who kind of uh, we've spoken to so far, universally, they've all spoken about how much they're enjoying it, how high the standards are, how he doesn't let, you know, complacency set in. Training standards have got to be at the level that he expects on a match day. And, um, and how much, all of them speak about how much they are loving playing his brand of football, as I say, on the floor, attractive style, high intensity. It is fantastic to watch and, and the players obviously enjoying it. And, and as I say, you know, recent form, uh, unbeaten in eight, uh, five wins in a row, and the last three, they've, they've scored last minute winners. I, I know, you know, sometimes you would love a comfortable kind of three or four nil win, but uh, but my God, nothing quite beats the magic of a last minute winner, does it? And Dom, why do you think there's been that change? Because, I mean, obviously they've, they've bought a few players in, in the January transfer window, but that doesn't really maybe paint the full picture of, of why there has been such a change so early on in his, his reign. Yeah, I think that's been the most impressive thing. It, we, I've said this a few times, like a stuck record with it, really. But when when new managers come in every season in every level, you you not everywhere, um, but you see that new manager bounce, don't you? Um, 
what this is beyond that because you know that tends to last a few weeks. But this isn't kind of players responding to a new voice. They're playing Chris Wilder's way, um, and it looks like they've been managed by Chris Wilder and his coaching team for two years, not two months. The way the um, the way they've, they've adapted to his his style, his demands, um, and and I do think you know the, they had players who were suited to it, which has obviously helped. Um, so you've got players in every role who look comfortable. There aren't many examples of players who were maybe doing a job. There were perhaps one or two of those to start with. I mean, remarkably, really, you probably looked at Isaiah Jones at the start and thought, is he a natural fit as a as a wing back when uh, he's been the best player under under Wilder, hasn't he? But um, I think uh, the, the, quickly adapting to what he wants, keeping players fit. We know that was an issue, and it was something Wilder identified. Uh, you know, Craig did a bit earlier this week where Wilder's talking about how um, you're always going to get needles and knocks, but there the, the hasn't been anywhere near as many kind of short-term couple-of-week absences that really hurt Borough for the last 18 months or so. Um, and and those last-minute goals clearly show that, you know, mentally the, the character of this side is is in the right place as well. And as Craig said there, you know, yeah, we'd, you'd love to be winning three or four nil every week. But there's something to be said for winning a game like that, isn't there? And the momentum it builds and that kind of feeling of we'll always find a way to win. Um, and I think as well, it, it, it has an impact on the opposition, doesn't it? I remember reading a piece once, Craig will know this better than me, um, about Fergie time and Man United's late winners. And I think it had been broken down and they actually didn't score any more late winners than it might have been Wenger's Arsenal at the time. But the reputation had been built. So come the last five, ten minutes, opposition teams are thinking, oh, God, here we go. You know, the, the balls are going to go forward. They've got men in and around the box. And that does have an impact, doesn't it? So if Borough are playing Blackburn on Monday night and it's 1-1 in the dying minutes and Borough are going forward, that, that is going to be in the back of Blackburn's minds, isn't it? Um, so I, I think it ticks all ticks all the boxes. It, it's, you know, it's been far, far better than I think anyone could have hoped when Chris Wilder first took charge. Everyone was over the moon, weren't they, about the appointment, or certainly that appeared to be the case. Um, but, I mean, now that there does seem to be a real buzz around the town and a real feel like they're, like they're there to stick around at the top. Craig, do you think the fact that Wilder is more of a long-term appointment, we know he came in and replaced Warnock and his future was up in the air. It was expected that this would have been his, his final season. He would retire come... Uh, come May, do you think the fact that this is a long-term project has had some impact because the players can maybe buy into it a bit more and the manager's looking beyond the end of the season? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, actually. I think because you're right in that, you know, the, the, the hired Chris Wilder with that kind of long-term vision in mind. I mean, Chris Wilder is a manager who has traditionally stuck around at the clubs that he's been at for an extended period of time. So, you know, the new what they were getting with Wilder and it was it was all part of this long-term project that they, they wanted to build. But I think actually, you know, I would I would imagine that even Chris Wilder himself you know, whether he'd admit it publicly, is quite surprised at just how quickly he has managed to kind of, you know, transform this side and instill his philosophies on this team because, you know, it, it is completely night and day in terms of the style of play to how Neil Warnock's middles were played. And, and I agree with Dom that, that now we are clearly seeing that these players, you know, 
are better suited to this style and, and there is a lot of players within this team who who are you know um thriving because of this style of football that they are now playing and uh yes i I'm, i don't think it's so much as it's because it's a long-term project um that it's changed i think it is just a, a better suitability to the team and, and also you know that the, he's managing to kind of uh set borough up in a way that is uh you know, hard for other teams to work out. We saw that with the Sheffield United team as well. They they put so much into attack, and yet the the work so hard as well defensively, and they're so well structured defensively that teams really struggle to, to figure it out. And and yeah, it's having that immediate impact that actually, you know, it's, the long term doesn't go out the window. We saw that in January signings like Kiel and uh, Boyd Munz, but you know, actually, there's the short term success to go after here and. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, credit to the start that he's had. 100%. A question for both you guys. I'll come to Dom first and then, Craig, you can jump in after Dom replies. Which player for you both have stood out since Wilder took charge? Jones is the obvious one, isn't he? Um, that You know, Sparrow has, has added goals to the quality that we saw was there in the early stages of the season. I think the system suited him having a, that's what I like. I like the fact it's a two up front. It's not a one-one or a one with three in support. You know, I'm I'm not calling for every manager to play four-four-two. Clearly, but around, but I, I like the fact it's a it's a two as a partnership up top. Um, but Jones on the right has been a revelation. I mean, we we've seen how good Jed Spence has been at Forest and and the reports and the clubs that are interested in him and how good he was against Arsenal in the cup. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if he had to come back at Borough this month, he wouldn't have got in the team at the minute because there's no way you can uh, you can take Jones out. I've seen a couple of arguments of moving Jones over the left, but I think then, A, you're moving him off his stronger side, and B, that's doing Neil Taylor a disservice, who's been a, an excellent signing and looked a great fit for the system. Um, but Jones, you know, to think a year ago he made his debut in the cup game against Brentford, uh, it's, it's a, been a remarkable rise. And all three late goals that we've talked about have come from him, you know, despite the fact he's all action and never stops on that right side. There he is, kind of with the energy that you'd expect in the first minute. Um, in the 92nd or 93rd, Blackpool was brilliant, wasn't it, where you concede that late goal, you'd expect heads to be down, but there he is, snapping into a tackle in the Blackpool half on the front foot still, and then has the composure to lay, lay across uh, the cross. Same against Mansfield, and then same... Same at the weekend. Um, so I think he's been a, a brilliant find and is, is only going to get better, um, you know, tactically. And you can see he's got the confidence now. I think he's been a revelation. But you could name you could name four or five easily, couldn't you, Craig? Yeah, I was I was going to say, I mean, if if you're talking about the one, then, then Jones is the one. And, and there's not much I could add to what Dom's just said there. He's absolutely nailed it with how good Isaiah Jones has been uh, under Chris Wilder. But like Dom says, there are others. And there's there's a few you can mention if you wanted to give honorary mentions. I think, you know, Anthony Dykesdale, for example, moving back to a right-sided centre-back in a three, that's really suited him. Uh, you know, he was playing so well there last season under, under Neil Warner, but then as the move to back fours, um, you know, he, he kind of 
tailed off a little bit and he's you know I think he's much better suited to that kind of right sided centre back in a three. And Johnny Housen uh, as the holding midfielder at times in the early parts of the season under Warnock. I think Johnny Housen looked um you know very kind of stretched in midfield. He was very exposed a lot but in this midfield three that Wilder has uh, he's been absolutely brilliant uh, kind of as the, the deep lion one and then just ahead of him as well you've got Matt Crooks and, and Marcus Tavernier I think Crooks you know under Warnock was used a lot he was used a lot as a number 10 and also as kind of the focal point because of his height the one to hit with long balls and, and actually he'd be the first to admit himself that He's not actually at his strongest in the air. Despite his height, he's best with the ball at his feet. And and, and likewise, with Tavernier to the left side of that midfield three, the two of them kind of dictate Middlesbrough's play and, you know, drive them forward with their passing ranges and, uh, and, and, and you know, positive energy and tempo, etc. And I think the two of them have been really important. And uh, important to note that on Tavernier as well, because I think he was kind of, you know, out of form um, towards the end of Neil Warnock's tenure at Borough, uh, but under Chris Wilder, he's been absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, I think the win over Redden at the weekend was probably up there with his best performances of the season. I'd say. Sorry, think... so just to jump in, I know we're going to talk about January signings, obviously, but the McGree signings, the interesting one for me, Craig, because you do you do look at that midfield and think, how's he going to get in the team? That's it, yeah. Uh, and, and and that's the kind of culture that he wants to create, isn't it, Chris Wilder? Because, you know, you're looking across the team and he wants kind of competition for places within the team and, you know, he, he wants balance and clearly, you know, he doesn't think James Lee Saliki is up to it and he's told him that, you know, he's available and he can he can leave the club this month. Uh, so he has that competition on that right-hand side of the midfield three with, with Piero, who can't get in at the minute because Crooks is playing so well. And now McGree comes in as competition to Tavernier and, and ultimately, you know, as I say, I think that was Tavernier's best performance against Redden on Saturday. And you do wonder, is that because he's seen McGree for a couple of days in training and thought, well, I need to raise my standards here or I'm going to be out of the team? Competition's so important, isn't it? I think I text you, Craig, after Middlesbrough beat Bournemouth. It was a it was a penalty, wasn't it, in the second half and Jones was the person who was brought down. And I, I, that, that's one of the first games I'd really watched and... Um, Jones was absolutely superb. He was just up and down the pitch, and uh, I was I was blown away by how much energy he's got and end product as well. Because you often get players who have got that speed and, and and technique to get up and down, but sometimes the end product's missing. But he seems to have have a, a you know a bit of everything. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, but um, you've just reminded me as well. I do need to unblock your number, so I do get your messages through again. On Jones, I think it, what what I remember um, being at York in the in the summer um, for the preseason friendly, and Warnock was asked about um, Jones had played well. I think it was York, and Jones had played well anyway. Um, and Warnock was asked about transfers and stuff, and he was saying that we've had a couple of League Two clubs in for him, um, but I don't want to make a decision on that until. Uh, until you know, I know what we're getting in now. You know, credit to Warnock. It was Warnock who got who got Jones in the squad. But it's remarkable with hindsight, isn't it? That only a few months ago there was kind of serious considerations that he might be available. And also, like, what on earth would he look like in League Two? What you know, what a signing for anyone in League Two. He'd have been um, 
because he's absolutely at home at the top end of the championship, isn't he? It's uh, it, you know, it's another of the countless examples of how a player benefits from a loan spell, isn't it? You know, our Queen of the South, second half of last season, revelation there. There are so many examples, and every club, I'm sure, was certainly a borough of players who kind of go and come back just looking at a different player. You know, I know it's cliche, but go as a boy and come back as a man ready to go. And um, that, you, that's been exactly the case with Jones. He's uh, one thing I'm noting as well is he just seems to be growing in confidence as the weeks go on as well. I mean, you look at that Redden game at the weekend, and you know, Wilder actually noted that actually, you know, I mean, I still give him man of the match. And the reason I did, Wilder noted that his, his end product wasn't as good as it normally is on Saturday against Redden, but he was still so persistent. He still always showed for the ball. He was still so lively and always wanting to try and beat his man and get the ball in the box, even if that end ball wasn't the end product wasn't always on he still wanted to always try it right up until that 90th minute and there was one moment in that Redding game for me that summed up how his confidence is growing and the ball came from out on the right wing close to the halfway line and he's he's kind of under pressure from a, a Redding midfielder and he just did this lovely little chip over him backwards towards his own goal and I think probably back to Anthony Dyke Steele I would imagine off the top of my head based on positions but yeah just this lovely little chip on the wing going backwards a quite a risky ball to play in the circumstances but it, he pulled it off and uh you know just a sign of the growing confidence of the lad at the minute given the success wilder's had in such a short period of time does that and given that it's happened before they've been really able to sign any new additions to the squad does that mean that the the kind of the foundations were there under the previous manager and it just didn't click and, and if so why do you think that was Craig was that just because the, the style of player didn't suit the players under Warnock and, and Wilder's come in and in his approach to, to 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 the game his 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 fitted these players yeah, I think I think ultimately there's there's numerous kind of factors within within that answer. There's numerous kind of things to consider. I think absolutely, as I say in hindsight now, uh, we can say that this style of play is clearly suited the, the the players a lot more, and a lot of the players are kind of now talking about the the consistency and the standards being high. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm, that's not to knock Neil Warnock. I'm sure his standards were high, but you know, it's it's this idea that in training. You know they can't even switch off for a second in training. Uh, it's got to be on it constantly, and, and and that leads itself into a match. There the isn't any ever any slipping of standards, and uh, you know the, so so absolutely the kind of style is suiting the players more. We can see that in hindsight now. Um, you know, having watched the how they played under under Wilder, absolutely. But then, you know, it's a mentality thing as well. Dom spoke about mentality and the and the last minute winners. You know, that's drilled into them as well. And in terms of you know the attitude's got to be right all the time. And uh, because they're playing the style that they are, I think one thing we're saying, you know, the the second half kind of statistics have improved so much under Chris Wilder. The the second half statistics under Neil Warnock were, were terrible. That they were conceding second half goals and losing games in second half so often in, in that first period of of, middle, of the season. Um and, and and now that's not the case under Wilder and, and you know one thing uh we've noted is the conditioning. Uh Wilder came in straight away and said he wanted it to improve the conditioning that wasn't where it needed to be so obviously that's improving but also the mentality and the attitude is as well when the controlling games like they are 
when the more assertive in games like they are, the ball isn't constantly coming back to the defence like it previously was. And so it's not a kind of constant need to be on your toes for 90 minutes and need to constantly do it again and again and again. And, and that's making it easier for the Borough defence. So we're not seeing them you know, concede as many kind of sloppy goals as they did uh, because of that. And then also, you know, going back to the conditioning, it's the injuries as well. You, you can't ignore that in, you know, this that first period of the season under Neil Warnock, there were so many injuries and, and uh, you know, it, it does disrupt momentum. It, it disrupts rhythm and it disrupts flow. And, and and the fact that we are seeing Chris Wilder able to put out a relatively settled team week in, week out, because they aren't getting these little niggly muscle, in, muscle injuries, you know, that's helping with the rhythm and the, and the momentum that they're building. So I think they are, there's a lot of kind of layers to, to why it's gone so well so far. And in terms, Dom, of what this team can achieve now, they're just the seven points off second place. Fulham are a little bit ahead of them in first, but I mean they're in the playoffs. It's very tight that the teams from second down to about seventh. So, what can they do? I mean, surely the playoffs is 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 where they're aiming for. But can they, you know, look at second place and think that's achievable? I think. I think. Yeah. You know that 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 would have seemed absurd, wouldn't it, if you'd have said that when. Chris Wilder took charge. Um, you know, Fulham are blowing everyone away, aren't they? Scoring six or seven past everyone in the minute. It's remarkable the form they're hitting. You you look at them and think they've got to be nailed on for a top two spot. Um, but Bournemouth look more vulnerable than they did at the start of the season or earlier on in the season. I know Blackburn have been flying, but um, yeah, you know, there was mitigating circumstances at Hull in midweek, but they they, they didn't look great. Um and, you know, West Brom have been very hit and miss. I certainly don't think there's anything to fear in the rest of the in the rest of the top six. You, you're probably at a stage now where you'd say if you missed out on the top six, it'd be a real disappointment. And, you know, that's the kind of expectation that Chris Wilder's talked about, isn't it? With with results, uh, you, you're bound to get pressure and expectation. And it's a type he's, he's embracing and he relishes. Um, but, but I do think that, you know, at the minute now, given given the momentum, given the buzz, given the fact that they're getting better and stronger by the week, and the squad is now stronger, and come the end of the month, it's going to have more of a kind of Chris Wilder feel to it in terms of the recruitment. Um, I do think now it'd be a real disappointment if if missed out on the top six. Uh, before we get on to the transfer window, Craig, I just want to ask you how Chris Wilder has been, you know, with the press away from the pitch. We know what Warnock was like. Is he a totally different character to, to how Warnock approached the media? Uh, he is in many respects, yeah. I mean, I think uh, one of the big things that uh, you would say is, uh, you know, Warnock kind of, you know, he, he liked a joke and he was brilliant to work with and kind of in terms of his press conferences always being fun and things like that. Um Wilder's different in that sense, but still in a positive manner, you can ask Chris Wilder absolutely anything. And, you know, as long as it's reasonable, as long as it's constructive, uh, he's absolutely fine with that. And he, he also, he'll, he'll answer everything in such thorough detail as well. Uh, you know, I'm sure Barra fans have noted that his press conferences are, are, are so much longer than, than Neil Warnock's because, you know, the, the, the kind of level of detail that he goes to in, in every answer uh, is 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 quite extraordinary, really, and uh, and and, uh, and not easy. 
easy when you have to transcribe it back after. Uh, there's a lot of transcribing to do after a, a Chris Wilder press conference. But but yeah, you certainly can't complain about that because as I say, the, the level of detail and the kind of openness and transparency in his answers on, on absolutely anything you put to him is, is really impressive. And I think, you know, as I say, we are going to come to transfers, but last week's answer on kind of, he, he, he kind of took the the uh you know the the step that you rarely see anybody else take of, of naming four players who he was allowing to leave the club and, and give really detailed um you know reasons for allowing those players to leave this month and and all and what that meant and and i, I go back to when i said that he wants you know the, a player every week to speak to the media you know he, he, chris wilder understands that ultimately when he's speaking towards at a press conference He's, he's sending messages. He's ultimately talking to the supporters. Um, and, and so, you know, in, in given that answer and given those reasons for allowing four players to leave the club this month, there is no doubt in any fan's mind why he's doing that. You know, they might not necessarily agree with some of the decisions that he makes, but they understand clearly why he's making those decisions. Uh, and yeah, so he, he, he is really interested to work with. Well, shall I we start there? Sorry, I, I thought the explanation of the uh, transfer um, imminent exits was excellent because, you, you know, the one, the one I think that fans were a bit, um, I guess, was up, was up for debate is the Uche one because he has, uh, you know, fans have taken to him because of his wholehearted approach, I think, and um, you know, he's he's he's, I've enjoyed watching him in the first half of the season. Um, and there are fans who, you know, say, well, you need a plan B off the bench. But I think the way Wilder explained it, almost from a personal point of view of look, like he's been great at Piers, but he probably deserves more than just a couple of minutes here and there. And he can go and be a, a big player anywhere else. It's, um, you know, it's, I think two things is A, it's, it's good for fans to get that um, explanation and B, you know, for a manager to, to, give such clarity so early in the window shows the borough went into this window knowing exactly kind of what they wanted and where they want to be come the end of it. I was just going to say that just do one of you want to talk us through those who have left so far and the reasons you know why why they've gone Craig do you want to? Yeah so last Friday he kind of explained to everybody uh, in the press conference that uh Anel Hernandez, James Lee Uchik Piazu, and Marcus Brown were available to, or you know, allowed to leave the club this month. Obviously, different situations there because uh, of the four, only Anel Hernandez has left so far. Uh, he was on no, a loan from Norwich uh, for the season, and so what happened is Middlesbrough helped him find an alternative club, that alternative club being Birmingham City, and he's now instead gone on loan to Birmingham City until the end of the season, um, presumably because Norwich didn't really want him back as such as part of their squad. So, you know, the onus was on Barrett to help him find uh, another club. Um, and, um, yeah, and then you've got, as I say, you've got James Lee Saliki, a similar position. He's on loan. Um, from Ren in in France, and, and and similarly, they probably don't want him back, uh, and so you know it's a case of Burr needing to work with them to find James Lee Saliki and other club as well this month to try and get him off the books because clearly he he, he hasn't played as many games and clearly he's not fancied at Borough. The difficulty of that, of course, is that he's also currently in Cameroon at the Africa Cup of Nations, uh, which is due to go on beyond the transfer window ending uh, um, at the end of January. So that that's a complicated situation there, but 
hopefully one that can resolve. And then uh, two players who are Borough players who are contracted to the club, Ike Piazzo and Marcus Brown, uh, and then also both uh, able to leave. And, you know, there has been some reports today that uh, Marcus Brown might be close to completing a, a loan transfer to Charlton. Haven't had that one stood up yet, but uh, but you can well imagine that Marcus Brown, a player who has done well previously in League One, will have plenty of interest in his services if he is indeed available. Uh, and as so often happens in, in these kind of, you know, towards the end of January transfer windows, although Borough would have preferred to sell him, you know, sometimes you do just have to accept that a loan deal is best for now, um, gets him off Borough's books and, uh, and and allows him to go out and play football. Uh, you, and, you know, there, there is one more player who is left, of course, that's uh, William Cocolo. Um, an under twenty three player, really, but um, but you know he did make his debut at Mansfield in the, his first start at Mansfield in the FA Cup. Uh, he played quite well, actually. To be fair to him, he was he was reasonable enough at left wing back. Uh, he signed for Burton surprisingly on a permanent transfer that did shock many people, um, myself included. But um, I think ultimately what happened there is obviously the club. Uh, knew they were going to be able to keep Neil Taylor. He signed that extended contract at the end of the season. Mark Bowles, obviously, also your other senior left wing back, uh, and they've also bought in this brought in this new kid uh, for the under twenty threes, this Belongo, um, and and ultimately they've just decided that Kokolo at his age, you know, isn't at the level that he needs to be at, and so therefore going to a, a, a club like Burton um, is is a good move for his career. Definitely. Great club, Burton Albion, for those that don't know, my second team. So what a move that is for him. Uh, Dom, we'll come to those who've signed so far. Do you just want to talk our listeners through and, and share your opinion on, on the names that have come through the door? Yeah, obviously Aaron Conley was um, we were quick off the mark there. We, we knew that a centre-forward was going to be an area that um, that, that Chris Wilder prioritised. You know, Ickpiers, who hadn't played much, had he, he was clearly... Um, I think it was obvious from early doors that he was going to be available in January. You had Wantmore and and um, Sparrow. Hernandez was kind of doing a job there. He was the one player who, and Wilder talked about that, didn't he? How he was, how he was almost the system didn't suit him. He's a winger player up front. I think Conley's at a stage. He's still young, isn't he? At twenty-one, but he, he's at a stage where he comes in. Um, his his career's almost gone a little bit stale at Brighton, and he just needed to. Um, get back on track, needed to play regularly. Uh, and I think that's a that's a, a, a wise signing, really, because I always think with a loan move like that, what you want is you, you want the move to be as important for the player as it is as it is for the club. And I think um, with with uh, Conley, that's certainly the case. Um, you know, he's he's coming looking needing to get needing to get back on track and look sharp in his first game. Um, Riley McGree, we've we've talked about. Um, you know, by all accounts at Birmingham, he was excellent. You know, there's those quotes with George Friend, um, who said he was looked the best player in, in training every single day, um, even though he wasn't playing under Itor at the start and then under Lee Boyer, but he got in the team, Celtic wanted him. Um, and, you know, again, it's another it's another show of faith that, that Borough have been able to bring him in. And that's the interesting that's the interesting one, as we said, and, and how he's going to fit in um, from midfield. And it's the same um, with Arsenal with the loan signing. With, you know, again, the, the, there's that show of faith that Borough and Chris Wilder are the right club and manager to continue 
the, to help the progression of, of one of Arsenal's best young sign and best young talent. So um, I think that's that's a really promising one as well. And it's going to be interesting to see how that develops in the second half of the season. I look at the squad now, Craig. I don't know about you. Um, you, you wonder where what, what, what Borough have still got to do, really, in the second half of the window. Up front looks sorted now. The midfield, you certainly can't imagine them bringing anyone else in there. Maybe a centre-half. And then there's the obviously the goalkeeper, which we've talked about. You know, I, it, it, Joe Lumley is, you know, the Borough have been a lot more solid at the back than they were under Warnock. But there's still question marks, I think it's fair to say, isn't the under... Uh, about Joe Lumley, so that's that's an interesting one. Whether he chooses to to bring in a goalkeeper, yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. And I mean, you know, when he's been speaking uh, in in the last week or so, Chris Wilder, he has kind of said that if it's possible, he would still like to do a couple of uh, you know incoming transfers. And of course, you know, um, Borough do have to be careful. Of course, there's there's not only the the league registration rules that they have to comply with so they can only register 25 players over the age of 21. Um, there's also the financial fair play rules of the championship, the uh, the profit and sustainability rules as they are in the championship. And, and of course, you know, I know we're going to come on to talk about things with Derby, uh, the Derby situation. Um, you know, with that going on, Borough certainly don't want to be, uh, you know, breaking those those uh, profit and sustainability rules themselves. Um, that wouldn't be a very good look, would it? So, of course, there is, you know, that balancing act to do, and that's why we are seeing them trying to kind of get some players out. And, uh, you know, I think in the immediate kind of moments, there is a focus on the outgoings right now, having worked quickly to get those four players in. And, you know, it's got to be said, I think the the club, you know, Kieran Scott, the head of football and Chris Wilder and, and the rest of the recruitment team deserve a lot of credit because, you know, January 14th, Riley McGree was signed. That's, uh, you know, the 14th year of the transfer window. Borough already had four players in. Uh, that, that, that must be quite unheard of. Um, uh, it, it, the, the, they acted so fast and clearly, as Dom alluded to, came into this window very well prepared um, and, and have done really good, what looks really, really good business. Uh, but yeah, if you're looking at the squad now, if they could do a couple of more signings, I would suspect there might be kind of more future-looking signings a bit more in the in the mould of Boyd Munz, uh, you know, where they'd be around the first team but not necessarily expected to be challenging for that first team spot. As you see, the only one that would be up and down, I would say, would be uh, the goalkeeper spot, as, as Dom says. Um, you know, it, 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 it's got to be said, Joe Lumley hasn't convinced. Uh, he, he really hasn't. He has, you know, those shaky moments in him, um, and, and, and that is a problem. And, and we know Wilder's spoken previously about how much kind of, you know, importance he puts on the goalkeeper. Uh, and how important he feels that position is. So I think in the long term, Borough will absolutely be looking for a new goalkeeper. The issue is January is a difficult window. We have those financial kind of, um, you know, things that they have to consider and they have to make sure the balance. Uh, and as a result, you know, they'll have many targets. They'll they'll have in mind probably no doubt three or four goalkeepers who they feel can become come in and become long term number one goalkeepers at Middlesbrough. It's whether or not in this window it's financially viable to bring them in. You know, do they want to come right now? Do the club that they're currently at now want to sell them or loan them to Middlesbrough? Um, 
and 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 is the are the finances of the deal viable to make it a good move now for Middlesbrough, or is it better waiting until the summer and do it and trying to do it then? Um, and I suspect that's why when Wilder's spoken about the goalkeeper, he he spoke about Joe Lumley. He has been kind of very complimentary and always spoken about, you know, he's the better sides of his games rather than the negative. Because if he does even slightly doubt that they're going to be able to bring a goalkeeper in this month, he doesn't want to be seen to kind of chuck Joel Lumley under the bus when he's then going to have to go the rest of the season with Joel Lumley as his number one. But I definitely, in the long term, suspect it's a, it's you know a position that he is going to want to strengthen. It's going to be fascinating to watch. We're going to move on to, as you said, Craig, there, the situation with Derby County. I'm just going to let you explain it because you, you've, you've written the story and, um, yeah, it'd be best um, if you take the take the reins from here. Yeah, it, it is a, it's a really complicated one uh, and it is obviously an, an ongoing legal issue. So, you know, you do have to be careful uh, with it. Um, ultimately, um, Derby breached those uh, profit and sustainability rules that we uh, spoke about there uh, and um, in the 2018-19 season um, Middlesbrough finished seventh, missed out on the playoffs to Derby County who finished sixth so the claim you know, Middlesbrough are claiming uh, put a legal claim in against Derby County because they fail that as a result of Derby you know, breaching those financial fair play rules Middlesbrough lost out on money that they would have got had they been in the playoffs. You know, you get into the playoffs, there's the revenue that comes in from games, etc. And then you've also got that one in four chance of making it to the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, so there's that claim that's going in. All the while, Derby County are, of course, in administration currently. Mel Morris has put the club into administration. Administrators are in there uh, and they're looking to try and, if you like, save the club, find the club, new owners, etc. Um, so the administrators, there's a lot. And this is where it's complicated because ultimately it's an ongoing legal issue, this Middlesbrough claim. And not just Middlesbrough, Wickham Wanderers, who were relegated last season uh, with Derby staying up, also have a claim uh, because they feel they should still be in the championship. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the administrators are trying to find preferred bidders to to kind of you know take over Derby and save the club. Um but they are claiming that these claims from Middlesbrough and Wickham are putting off uh, potential potentially interested parties in buying the club. Middlesbrough, you know, dispute that fact and of course have put out a statement earlier this week and then an open letter from Steve Gibson disputing that fact. Uh, and also Steve Gibson has claimed in his letter yesterday that he, you know, he's 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 met with the administrators or a nominated representative of the administrators from Derby County uh, and has, you know, a, asked to negotiate and, and compromise the claim um, that, that Borough have put in against Derby County. But as I say, there's a lot of kind of, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of to and fro, and a lot of statements being thrown about that actually don't tell us very much because it's an ongoing legal issue that can't tell us too much of the facts. Um, and, and so there's a lot of kind of people talking about, is this claim, you know, does it, could it hold up? Is it baseless? Middlesbrough obviously feel that it, it will hold up and they have a very good claim, a very good legal case. The administrators and, and people around them are trying to say not. But as I say, 
it, it's hard to judge because we just don't know the facts. We're not allowed to know the facts. It's an ongoing legal case. Uh, ultimately, you know, the key point from a Middlesbrough point of view is Steve Gibson feels Middlesbrough do have a case here, uh, but he's very clear that he doesn't want to see Derby County go into liquidation. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, contribute to Derby County uh, no longer existing. So they obviously... Um, he feels they have a claim, he feels they have a case, and he's he's pursuing that. But he is, according to his open letter, you know, reasonable and willing to kind of, uh, you know, negotiate on that. And, uh, and 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 so for now, it's it's a case of just waiting for those legal proceedings to kind of, you know, play out ultimately, because there's so many people who seem to, you know, have an opinion and kind of on whether this does have, uh, you know, any any kind of. You, you know, you know whether there's anything behind it, whether Middlesbrough do have a legitimate case, but nobody actually knows the the facts, the the actual kind of case that Middlesbrough are, are putting in the claim. So it is so so difficult. Yeah, it's coming in. Just to jump, one just to jump in, sorry, as Craig's talking there, a story's dropped from Pierre um, saying that private US investment firm Carlisle Capital have submitted a formal offer to buy Derby to the club's administrators. This has been made in the full knowledge that extra liabilities could be faced further down the line if full claims from, uh, sorry, if claims from Middlesbrough and Wickham succeed. Now, obviously, by the time you're listening to this, the, the story might well have developed. Um, but that's a that's a story that's, that's just dropped now. Yeah, very interesting. And, you know, there's clearly a lot of interest in it, and a lot of interest in, in Derby as well. So we'll keep up to date with, with all that. We'll finish with a little look ahead to Monday's game against Blackburn. Dom, you mentioned there Blackburn had been on a on an excellent run. You know, they'd shot up the league, then they lost to, to Hull, as you mentioned. There was a few mitigating circumstances there. Hull's takeover had finally gone through, or at least the new one I was in the stands. And that party atmosphere, no doubt, added to, to what was a brilliant win for Hull. Blackburn's still a challenge for Middlesbrough. Oh, it absolutely is. I, th- I think it's probably the... Um, toughest test of Chris Wilder's uh, tenure so far. I know, I know Bournemouth, you know, Forest were flying when they came, as were Bournemouth. They were both home games. I think the fact you go into a Blackburn team that had won eight out of ten before the whole game and will now be smarting somewhat after that defeat in midweek and they'll want to bounce back and prove a point. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the mitigating circumstances, obviously, there was the whole takeover, so the whole place was, was buzzing. Um, Tony Mowbray felt Blackburn had a stonewall penalty turned down, and the sec whole second goal, you know, was a bit was a bit of a dodgy one, really, a collision with a keeper. But so so I think, uh, but you know, Tony Mowbray in his quote, you know, said we, we won't dwell on it. Let's just draw a line under it and move on. I, you know, as as a sider, as a proud sider, I'm buzzing to see Mogger and Blackburn going so well this season. And, you know, it'd give me such satisfaction to see Borough and Blackburn go up this year. I think he's done a fantastic job there. We obviously always want to be, want Mowbray to be successful wherever he is. But um, it's it's great to see, especially after selling Armstrong in the summer, the way they've bounced back from that, obviously with the help of the Chilean superstar uh, who, who's missing the game. Um, so I think it's a real test. But I, I don't see Borough getting beat. Um you know, there's just so much confidence. Um, and and the way they're playing, you know, we know that Blackburn like to play football as well. I think that'll play into Borough's hands. I, I think both teams would probably deem a point a decent result. I don't know what you think, Craig. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's a, a really good assessment of the game. And I think, uh, you know, you mentioned those Bournemouth and, and, and Nottingham Forest games. And, and you know, up to now, they are definitely Borough's kind of biggest tests under Chris Wilder. And the encouraging thing for me is how much they stepped up in those games and how good they were in those games. So, you know, hopefully that's kind of, if you like, a good omen going to, to Blackburn that they do tend to step up when the games, you know, are bigger and when there's a bit more on them. Um, you know, encouragingly as well, of course, Borough had the, the COVID outbreak at the end of December, start of January, and and that kind of disrupted the squad, uh, which led to a, you know, a really kind of different team at Mansfield. And then last weekend at Redden, the they kind of looked a bit leggy and for quite a few players it was the first kind of performance first game back since then for a few it was the first start so naturally the the we've talked about the rhythm earlier and the rhythm wasn't quite there and uh, you know they did you know tire as the game went on absolutely despite getting that late winner uh, so the kind of you know, got got that out of the system as well uh, in a game that they were still able to come through and win. And uh, that gives me encouragement heading to Blackburn. Uh, in, interestingly as well, I was there, uh, I did cheat on, on the Tripe Supper this week and uh, I went on the uh, 12th Man podcast and uh, on, on that podcast, they had a, um, a Blackburn, a Blackburn fan came on and uh, was kind of giving, you know, their side of the, um, of, of, of the perspective ahead of the game and, and you know, he was talking about kind of uh, the Blackburn fan was talking about the feeling that they have a bit of like imposter syndrome almost for the, their position in the league they kind of feel like the bubble will burst eventually and this was before Hull I should say um, and, and they were looking at the Middlesbrough game and, and thinking wow this is our big first big test uh, Chris Wilder's Middlesbrough really really look a threat and, and there was almost like a fear about Middlesbrough's coming to, coming to Blackburn uh, which is testament again uh, just how how well Middlesbrough have looked under Chris Wilder and I think you know that's that's a good sign that other teams even teams who have been playing as well as Blackburn have are looking at Middlesbrough and thinking well we don't want to play them at the moment yeah, 100%. Fingers crossed it's three points. We can't finish the episode without doing the, the feature that was very, very popular before we took our little break, and that is what you're going to have at the service station, Craig. Well, it, it, it's a night game, so I'm going to I'm gonna stay over, so I probably won't, uh, won't go up the service station, to be honest. I'll probably set off a little early, head down, check into the hotel and, and, and find somewhere decent enough for... Uh, for some food, so it won't be a service station stop. I'm afraid this time I'll just be finding somewhere in, in Blackburn. You must have done it. You must have done a McDonald's breakfast on the way to Mansfield, did you? Uh, did I? I can't. No. Do you know what? I, I did a subway. First time ever I've done a subway breakfast. Subway breakfast. I'm Greg. I'm Greg's through and through when it yeah, comes it's to breakfast. Be Greg's. On the road. Uh, yeah. The, the only reason I did that is because on the way to Mansfield I made it to fill up the car. And there's a subway within the the, uh, the petrol station next to mine. So just while I was in there, I thought, you know, I, I've never had one, never ever had a breakfast from subway before. And I was, uh, I was pleasantly, uh, you know, happy with that. I thought it was, uh, it was, it was a lot better than uh, than I expected. So, uh... <laughs> I've never had one from McDonald's before. I can't remember if we've mentioned this. Never up. This, see, this is the reaction everyone gives us, and that's why I you thought that's probably, why I'm a regular. I'm, I'm probably yeah, the other team decent. Never had it. Never had it. Maybe if I ever go to a Middlesbrough away game, Craig can treat me to one on the way down. <laughs> um, 
just a note to say thank you for tuning in. Like you say, we do send our apologies for <coughs> the little bit of absence we've had. If you are looking to subscribe to the podcast, please do. If you type it into your podcast provider, um, you can follow it. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, and leave us a rating, rating and review. If you scroll down um, on your Apple podcast, you'll see the, the star rating. You can leave your little review there. We've got one here from Sparky Burra, who said, I really enjoy listening to Craig Talk Burra. Keeps me uh, keeps me going driving back up to Scotland on a Sunday afternoon. Cheers, um, cheers, Sparky. I'm, I'm, I'm half. <laughs> that's just Craig and it under a different name, but um, no, thank you for that, Sparky. And you guys do exactly the same, and it means we just get the audience and um, gets the show to a bigger audience. I'm like, so we will be back weekly. So thank you for sticking with Tribe Supper and head over to the Gazette website to follow all the latest Middlesbrough FC news.